the fact is the market is closed. Good Friday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Herich here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, we got an ugly close to the week this week following yesterday's also ugly session for our major indexes. And yesterday, we saw an important technical negative here as we got an outside day for our major indexes, which an outside day is a day where you see a higher high and a lower low from the days before action. So a negative one would be if you get a higher high and finish below the low of the other day. A more positive one would be if you hit the low before the previous day but finish above that level. Well, yesterday we finished to the downside of that, breaking below some important technical levels here. Not what you want to see from our major indexes at all and makes a little bit of sense then why we saw such a big down day to day. But first, really a big part of this sell-off has continued to be that investors are getting more and more pessimistic about what the Federal Reserve is going to do as the Fed, you know, Jay Powell, the Fed and Janet Yellen and other uh, Federal Reserve bankers across the globe have started to take a more and more hawkish tone. Now, we've heard a lot of ideas floating around, you know, really all year about we're going to see um, a 50 basis point rate hike. So that wasn't necessarily outside the realm of possibility. And the market had really started to price that in even with the most recent sell-off that we've had. But now we're seeing some Fed members saying that they could see as high as a 75 basis point rate hike not being off of the table here. So a good amount of the sell-off could be investors considering, you know, what is the Fed's fund rate going to look by the end of this year? And we're, you know us, we're in the camp that they're not going to be able to go as far as they want to. Uh, and I'll get to that here in a second. But some investors are starting to see, uh, you know, just based off of a few pieces that I've seen around uh, and some polls that some believe that the next, that by the end of year's Fed funds rate could be a full percentage point higher than the March expectations were with the Fed's fund rate finishing at a 2.75 or 3%. And that is a big jump, especially considering where we were at the beginning of this year, where most analysts, us included, would put it closer to a zero. You know, we really thought they'd raise rates once and see what happens from there. And really, we won't know more. You know, they, they can say, they can jawbone all they want in these in-between meetings. What matters are the FOMC meetings that we'll see. That's the beginning of March is the next FOMC meeting. Uh, so we'll see what they do. But the idea of the Fed's fund rate being that much higher by the end of the year, we continue to see that as unlikely. One, it is a midterm election year, and we know the Fed is going to do everything they can to help the permanent ruling class, aka the Democratic Party, and about uh, 75% of the Republican Party as well, if not more. And as Kip covered yesterday in depth on this podcast, really great cast yesterday. If you're curious about this, go back and give that a listen. But we see the Fed as being trapped here, a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't type of situation here. 
If they do continue to raise rates, then they're likely going to send the economy into a recession right around the time of midterm. So not good. Doesn't bode well for the already struggling Democratic Party. But if they don't, then inflation will continue to soar. But either way, the Fed is in for some kind of trouble here. And our latest theme that we've, we've touched on and, and, and dove deep into on these podcasts has been the idea of intentional destruction of the U.S. economy. And when you start to look around and see what's happening between policy decisions, uh, coronavirus decisions, energy decisions, all types of different things, that it's hard to believe that these are all just freak coincidences or that our, the, those in our government truly just don't know any better. I mean, if we can all see it, how can they not, right? Uh, so it seems very intentional, this destruction. But we all know that the Fed loves quantitative easing. They love the easy money cycle, right? Because inflation doesn't affect those who are asset holders. It doesn't affect those at the top end of the spectrum as much as it does on the lower wage earners. So they really could care less about the inflation numbers. So, you know, that is one way that this could go from here, that maybe there's an event that could come that much like coronavirus insanity, where they just said, we've got to do whatever we can to, to make sure our economy doesn't fall apart. We've got to start cutting rates now. We've got to start massive, never before seen levels of quantitative easing. Now, that could be an event that we're looking at here. And, you know, not to get, not to put on my conspiracy theory hat too much here, but what we're seeing in the food, the, uh, the food crisis here, you know, people in, in other countries, in European countries, lining up for food already. And then we have plants here at home, you know, just again, coincidentally, amazing coincidences that we've had something like 18 food processors burned down, destroyed, uh, planes have crashed into them. I mean, whenever has this happened? And I think I didn't watch Tucker's, uh, Tucker Carlson's show last night, but I think that he was the first person to even bring it up in the mainstream media. Uh, so you see that these kind of events are happening more and more and what event causes it that allows the Fed to continue quantitative easing? That is the question here. Uh, we continue to believe that rates don't have a whole lot higher to go. Of course, you know, if we're wrong, we'll, we'll adjust our positions from there. But in the short term for our markets, we're anticipating the markets at least and investors are anticipating a continued rate hike cycle environment. So in the short term, as the market process and investors process what a 75 point basis, a 75 basis point rate hike could look like, there looks like there could be more selling to come there. And one of the factors we're looking at here, and what we like to look at the most is always price. Because at the end of the day, price is all that pays. And the semiconductors, Today did not have a good day. SMH Semiconductor ETF down 2.3% roughly. And breaking below its recent lows, both its March 14th lows, its recent April 18th lows. Uh, so that was an important support level. Really, I mean, right around this area, you've got support going back for almost a full year. And now the next level of support is about 220 here. Uh, we're at 234 as of today. Um, that's the next important level that we have to see hold here before we start to look for a significant move lower. But we're watching 
the semis closely here. And if you've been tuning in this week, you know we've been talking a lot about our four most important sectors to watch right now. The semiconductors, transports, housing, and banking. All of them finishing down on the day. Really a liquidity sell-off kind of day today. Throw the baby out with the bathwater. You couldn't get relief anywhere unless you had hedges on or you were short. Uh, there is no sector, I guess uh, I could say that the green sector was up. The carbon credit ETFs was about the only thing that I could find that was higher on the day as far as sectors go. Uh, of course, some individual names were higher, but really nothing significant. You even see the FANG names today. All but Amazon are below their recent lows and a lot of them at 52-week lows right now. So really couldn't get relief anywhere. But back to our four most important sectors, uh, only the semis so far have broken to new lows, but again, the other ones did have big down days today. We have some room, uh, not a ton of room though, uh, for HGX banking and transports before they get back to those double bottom lows. The transports, uh, or excuse me, the banking index is basically there right now. Let's pull up a, a final read of where they got to today. Yeah, down two and a half percent. I take that back right at their recent lows right now. Uh, so again, now we want to see the transports do have a little bit more room and housing's got a little bit of room. Uh, but those are the sectors we're watching closely right now. Um, but overall, does not bode well for the short term for our markets. But we'll continue to say over the medium to long term, we remain very bullish here. Our calls for Dow Jones 100,000 and NASDAQ 40,000 remain fully intact here. Remember, from 1995 to 2000, the dot-com melt-up, the NASDAQ rose 575%. So this wouldn't be completely unprecedented to get that massive move higher. Those were average gains of 115% per year. But what most people don't think about when they hear those numbers is that during that time, there were also drawdowns. There were bear markets, sell-offs of 20% or greater. I think one of them was about 30%. So, you know, drawdowns are to be expected along the way. That's what we've experienced so far. Over the medium to long term, though, we want to use these as buying opportunities. We think it's too soon to, to be buying aggressively right now. Be cautious. Pick your spots. We've still got a lot of chop to go through. But keep some powder dry. And when that time comes to get aggressively long, that's exactly what we're going to be doing here. So come and join us at VRAinsider.com and see exactly what we're looking at here. So let's take a look at our markets on the day today. We finished lower across the board. Uh, or excuse me, the Dow actually finished uh, the lowest on the day today, down 2.82% on the day today. Uh, to 33,811, just barely off the lows of the day. Next up was the S&P 500 down 2.77% to 4,271. Next up, the NASDAQ down 2.55% to 12,839. And lastly, small caps down also right about two point, just over 2.5% to 1,940. Oh, but on the Dow though, I did want to point this out. Um, this is the one major index that we're actually not oversold at right now. Uh, we talked about these our short-term VRA momentum oscillators a lot. 
uh, they've served as a great indicator for reversals in price action uh, for this move lower. When our indexes start to get to extreme oversold on our short-term VRA momentum oscillators, that's about when the turn happens. All of our major indexes are at extreme oversold levels on our VRA short-term momentum oscillators right now, except for the Dow. Uh, so certainly proceed with patience there. But again, throw the baby out of the bathwater kind of day. Everything sold off today. The VIX was up nearly 25% on the day today at 28. Uh, and when you go back and look at a chart of the VIX, it's telling us that more volatility could be on the way. Going back to November of 2021, we've seen a series of higher lows for the VIX. Not necessarily higher highs along the way, but higher lows, stair-stepping higher here for the VIX. Not what we want to see if you want to be bullish right now. I also point out the put call ratio, very elevated today. Nearly, uh, let's see where it finished. It was at a 1.3 last time I checked. Let's see what the last print was there. Yeah, 1.3. Uh, keep in mind, the average put call ratio is a 0.7 in favor of calls. So this is heavily bearish action here. A uh, lot more put put buying than call buying here. And now, these are the type of contrarian indicators we'd love to look at. Again, not necessarily screaming at us that it's time to act, but that we're getting closer and closer. And we're seeing the same thing, of course, in our uh, uh, sentiment indicators as well. The AAII near, you know, 20, 30 year lows at this point. The fear and greed index not quite at extreme fear yet but at a 41 that's another one that we watch closely here remember during coronavirus insanity it got all the way down to like a two or a three uh, we saw that again i mean it's time to sell the boat and buy everything that you can there but again good news here uh is that we are at those extreme oversold levels uh that have marked a turning point over the last few months but again not a good day today looking like the markets want to continue moving lower so next week will be an important week and we do have a lot of earnings to look forward to next week and so far earnings have been strong for q1 earnings the market didn't peak until earnings peak so good to see our earnings continue to remain strong and overall the economy has remained strong as well we continue to grow albeit at a slower pace than we've seen but growth nonetheless looking at our internals on the day-to-day also, not the numbers you want to see, but about what you would expect from a big down day. Declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, over five to excuse me, over five to one negative on the NYSE and three to one negative on the Nasdaq. We also saw a big increase in the number of 52-week lows today, starting to look more like we saw in March and in February. The last few weeks, these have been improving, but not today, as we had over 400 stocks hitting 52-week lows for the NYSE and over 600 stocks hitting 52-week lows on the NASDAQ. I bet if I refresh my screen here, probably bigger numbers. Um, why not just check it out? Yeah, not a whole lot more, but we do have 643 stocks hitting 52-week lows for the NASDAQ, so not what you want to see. Lastly, volume coming in negative as well for both the NYSE and the NASDAQ. Looking at our sectors on the day today, all of our sectors were down big on the day, even the leaders, if you want to call them that. Consumer staples was down the least, 
down roughly 1.6%, followed there by utilities and real estate. And then our laggers on the day were materials down a big 3.7%, followed by healthcare down 3.6%, and communication services down 3.3%. I'll go, I'll go ahead and point out the financials were also down 3% on the day today. Really, no, like I said earlier, no safety anywhere today, and that includes our VRA commodity watch. Gold now down about seven tenths of 1% to 1,934 an ounce. But folks, you know, this is a group we remain extremely bullish on here. If you go back and look at any inflation cycle, remember the winner coming out of that has always been gold. If you can name a time in history where gold didn't do well in an, in an extreme inflation cycle like we've seen now, Please point it out to me. I'd love to learn about it. Uh, you know, you go back and look at the Weimar Republic. Uh, and also remember that as well, that that took 10 years before it finally reached a head, head. That there were years of massive, massive inflation before it finally ended. And then a single ounce of gold could buy roughly a block of prime real estate in Germany. Uh, so this is a great example of why you want to own gold. You want to own precious metals in the inflation environment but today not acting like the hedge it is but also today goldman sachs came out with a bullish call on gold and uh very convinced that higher gold prices are needed here's what they had to say the combination of strong investment demand accelerating central bank purchases and resilient consumer demand means that a higher gold price is needed to keep physical gold markets balanced moreover underling bullish drivers of each of the three categories are set to remain for the rest of the year, meaning that the bullish gold price trend is set to continue. Therefore, reiterating our year-end price target of $2,500 an ounce on gold. That's, I mean, a big move higher from here. Again, we're at $1,934 an ounce today. Uh, so, that might even be to the low side, depending on how the inflation story continues from here. But 2,500 is the new call from Goldman on gold. Next up, silver down just over one and a half percent to $24.23 an ounce. Copper now down just over two and a half percent to $4.56 a pound. And oil down two and a half percent as well to $101 a barrel. So able to hang on to that $100 a barrel mark here. And finally for today, Bitcoin, again, no relief anywhere. Bitcoin back below $40,000 of Bitcoin today, down 4.2% to $39,522 of Bitcoin. Folks, that's all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Click the podcast link at the top, and we'd love to have you with us. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.